remember one of our own missionaries, uh, Paul Dudka. He's a missionary in Ukraine. And right now, of course, all that right now is in total chaos. And uh, he's, he had elected to, to stay, but there was also as well no real way out. Uh, and there's countless other missionaries there and other believers that are there serving and, and many other innocent people who are going through such a difficult time. So we want to remember, uh, pray for them, and uh, especially pray for our, our dear missionary. And uh, if we do get any other updates about him or situation, we will try to share it um, you know, online, that sort of thing, try to keep people kind of knowing what's going on in the loop. But certainly, uh, we ask for you to continue to pray, and I know that they covered your prayers. Um, a few things for today. As you can tell in your bulletin, we got a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, it's more of the preliminary stuff to get things going, I guess. But today, following the morning service, um, I'll, I won't be able to shake your hand Excuse me, at the back. Um, we got a, a kids' club interest meeting right up here at the front. So if you're a visitor or if you're going to head out the back and not stay in, here's my hand. It is good to see you today. I'm glad that you're here. I'll even shake with the left hand in case you're left-handed. Um, but uh, if you're interested at all about our kids' club and, and helping out with that, Please, right after service, come right down here for a quick meeting, and I uh, want to be able to talk with you guys about that. Then this evening at 530, uh, we're having our choir practice. We're practicing to gear up for a, a big special uh, choir for our, our uh, um, Easter service. And um, I want to say thank you to, to Joanne and to JL for the hard work uh, they're putting into this. It's not easy uh, putting up with uh, our rowdy choir we got. Um, but we, we do have room for you as well. If you'd like to join us, um, if you missed last week or even if you missed tonight, we'd still love to, you, you to join us for, for choir practice and, and to be used of the Lord. And you don't even have to sing good or nothing, okay? We just, if you can sing, that's all, that's all it is. Um, uh, as well, the ladies' ministry on March the 10th, uh, we'll be having food and fellowship in the fellowship hall. The theme is Mexican food, and it's bring a dish to share with the group. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Yes, that's it. So do what this thing says. Bring some food to share and you guys will have a have a good time. Um, then March the 13th, daylight savings time again. So make sure uh, before you come to church, you check your time, check your phone, check something and and uh, make sure your clocks are sprung forward. And then March the 20th, uh, we'll be having a, a missionary with us um, in the morning presenting and, and he'll be preaching that evening, Lord willing, uh, missionary Luke Kennedy who I know personally, a really good guy, really good family, and they are trying right now to get to Russia. They have some things already established there, but he's going to be there to get to do some more work. They do a lot of training for different things, but he can, he can um, give you more on that when he comes. But be praying for that as well and, and talking with him. Uh, his family and, and everything right now has been going through quite a lot um, as they have a lot of Russian pastors that they minister to and help out with and train. And all of this stuff has really complicated a lot of things. And so... Um, really, uh, I know they certainly appreciate your prayers as well. Uh, then as well, um, if you are interested, there's information on the back table for the Ladies Prayer Advance in Roanoke, highly recommended. And if you've got any uh, questions about it, uh, go grab a pamphlet back there and you can get uh, some answers online as well. And whew, that's all of it. All right. <laughs> but we are thankful that uh, you guys are here. I know there's lots going on. We want to be praying for these things as we're starting up. And uh, for you to ask the Lord, even today, God, how would you use me? And, and I want you to know, if you're here today, and you love the Lord, and you have a pulse, your heart's still beating, you got breath in your lungs, you are not done. You're not retired, right? I was talking to somebody a little bit ago about that. You don't get to retire in your Christian walk, right? We don't retire until we enter in through the pearly gates. That's it, okay? Until then, you, you keep on serving, you keep loving the Lord, you keep serving Him, 
and ask God what he can, uh, how he can use you and how we would submit to him. Uh, but let's open up in prayer this morning and uh, let's lift up our missionary, let's lift up this world. Let's lift up today's service and ask that God will be glorified today. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this day grateful for the opportunity to gather uh, to worship you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts now as we're gathered to sing and to pray and to hear your word proclaimed. God, that everything that we say and do today would bring you glory and honor. I pray that our hearts would come ready to worship you for all that you are and all that you've done for us. Lord, you have blessed us uh, far more than what we could ever tell or what we could ever praise you for. Uh, But Lord, we are grateful today. Lord, we lift up this world that's going through so much turmoil worldwide, but especially right now the things taking place between Ukraine and Russia. Lord, we uh, lift up those that are innocent. We pray and ask for their protection. We pray as well that justice would be uh, taken place. And Lord, that in your time and in your way that you would have, have your will, God, and that we would trust in you. We pray for the believers that are there facing these difficult days, especially um, our missionary uh, brother Dudka. God, that you would bless them, protect them, provide for them, meet their needs financially and physically, uh, spiritually as well. God, that you would give them strength, uh, allow them as they're going through such a time to still yet be used of you and and to serve you. And Lord, we lift up uh, not just those throughout the world that are serving you, but God, help us to do the same. Help us to be encouraged, to be empowered by you today. Lord, I pray that you would meet the need of every heart and every mind today and of every home. God, that you would do great and mighty things through the power of your spirit, through the power of your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Good morning. If you're able, please stand. And we'll get started with the singing part of our worship here today. Give thanks. Hymn number 170, if you need to look there in the hymnal. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because it's given Jesus Christ his son give thanks with a grateful heart give thanks to the Holy One give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son and Hallelujah, what a Savior, hymn number 311. John 4, 
42 says, We know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless sweet, spotless. song now we want to try out so y'all bear with us behold our god it is a magnificent glorifying uplifting song glorifying to god behold our god is the name of it revelation eleven fifteen, last part of it says and he shall reign forever and ever our savior will reign forever and ever as we live with him forever and ever. Behold our God. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All Let us adore. 
goosebumps are rolling i hope you do too <laughs> i hope the lord was pleased with that and uh, it's sure the word sure honored and glorified him don't sit down yet turn around and wave say hi welcome everyone to victory way baptist church this is god's church not ours okay and we're glad you're here today okay we have a real special treat now one i always look forward to it her singing, Miss Madison. Lord bless you. Come on. greater what could separate 
beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. And you have no rival, and you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a special song. What a Christ-uplifting song that was glorifying to God. We appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, in, in the word, in the song, God has been lifted up this morning. He reigns forever. Our God reigns forever. And uh, praise, honor, and glory to him. There is none other name under heaven. This goes along with her song given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. Right now, if you would, bow with me, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we humbly come to you this morning, thanking you, Lord, for the songs you've given us, for the words that honor and glorify you, that uplift the name of Jesus, and reminds us, Lord, and encourages us that you will reign forever 
and ever. You are God and you are King. You are the only true and living God. And we praise you, Lord, for that. We just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor. We ask, Lord, that you would bless him, fill him with your spirit, give him liberty and boldness, clarity of thought and speech, and in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We pray, Lord, that you would deliver your message through him to us this morning. And may everything said and done here today bring honor and glory to you. And, Lord, we want to tell you we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the encouraging words in the song this morning that lifts my spirit, and, and I'm sure everyone here. In Jesus' name, we praise you and thank you and ask you. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand. Hymn number 224. We have come into his house and gathered in his name. Psalm 122.1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Boy, I am. I wouldn't have done anything to miss them two songs we sung just now. Yeah, Madison's and uh, uh, what is the name of the other? Behold Our God, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, them was great songs, and uh, we, we sure hope it pleased the Lord. We have come into his house. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in join with me in giving our pastor a nice round of applause. Give honor where it's due to the man of God. Pastor Joe. The Lord has certainly been worshipped today. Praise God for that. And uh, he'll continue to be worshipped even now um, <clears throat> as we uh, get into his word. If you're a, a kid aged four to six, you can be dismissed to Children's Church. Children aged four to six can be dismissed to Children's Church. All right. Uh, grab your Bibles and turn with me one last time this month uh, to Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. 
We've been looking this month at uh, sort of a continuation of where we started the year. And that is looking at our our vision statement and and looking at our goals and and who we are, what we stand for, how we go about it. We we have our our mission, which is to know Christ and to make Him known. And our vision serves as the plan in which we will accomplish this. And we've talked about how it's through genuine worship, genuine discipleship, genuine fellowship, and genuine outreach. Now, those aren't just pretty decorations. These are reminders for us of when we gather and hear what this is all about. And all of this is to glorify God in our daily life, as we are striving together to be one body that accomplishes these things, not for ourselves, not even for our namesake on a sign, but for the name that we've sung about today, and that is Jesus. It is not about Pastor Joe, it is not about Deacon so-and-so, or Sunday school teacher so-and-so, or founding member so-and-so, nor is it about the name Victory Way, it is about Christ, and it must remain about Christ Less, if it stops remaining to be Christ at the center, to be Christ-focused, to be Christ-glorifying, to be everything for Christ, that's when it ceases to be church. Church is church because it's about Jesus. This is Jesus' church, Jesus' people, Jesus' time. And now, during this time, as we gather and we open up the Word of God, this is not a time that worship ceases. Worship continues now in our hearts as we hear the Word of God that we should desire to know Him and to make Him known, that we should desire to continue to glorify Him, that He has revealed Himself to us today. You know how many millions of believers are in the world today that don't have a full copy of the Word of God, and here we are, right here. May we not take this moment for granted. May we worship our King. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and twain he covered his face, and twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Let us pray. Our Father, we come to You this day, God, grateful that we have been able to sing, to worship You, to glorify You, and God, I pray that it would be hearts today, including my own, Lord, that we continue now in worship of You. Lord, that our hearts would bow before You as King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I pray that now as Your Word is open, that You would open up every heart and every mind to Your Word. God, that the soil would be prepped and prepared to, to have fruit, to have increase. God, that You can give. And Lord, that we ask that You do give today. Pray that you would guard my heart, my mind, and my tongue today. God, that you would fill me. Allow me to preach boldly and accurately according to your word. Lord, give us what we need today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we're looking at this, today we're dealing with what genuine outreach looks like here in verse number 8 today. Now our focus is uh, here in, in verse number 8. Of course, the, the famous passage that we either know it for the holy, holy, holy part or the here my send me. And, and here we're getting to the here my send me part today. 
This is the, the sending and the commission of Isaiah. Now, genuine outreach, by the way, does not say when we come to church, how can I help myself? How can I make sure that me and mine are taken care of? Because we're living in some dark and difficult days in the church and outside of the church. And by the way, the world's going to get worse. It's going to keep spinning until God says it's not going to spin no more. But until then, it's going to keep getting worse. So what do we do? Do we say, let me take care of me and mine? No, we are still yet called to go unto the world and to preach the gospel. Notice that the Bible, and, and what, notice what Jesus tells His disciples who know what it means to worship and be disciples and have fellowship with God and with each other. He sends them outreach, outreaching to the world. Notice that first part of the word outreach. O-U-T. Now, sound that out with me. O-U-T. Right. Out. It goes out. It's out. It's simple, right? It's not this long word. It's simple. It makes easy preaching and incredibly hard living. We want outreach to be where everyone that's lost just magically appears here and gets their life right before the Lord and we don't have to go out there and have awkward conversations or uh, have any sort of cost to our Christian life because let's be honest here and especially in our own nation where we have never woken up in, our, in my lifetime at least where we have to worry about bombs and soldiers or having my Bible confiscated or having to hide when we come to church and gather in a barn somewhere. We haven't got to worry about that. And we have had little cost, and we like it that way. We in our Americanness have taken our Americanness into the church where we're consumers first above anything. I want you to know, dear Church of God, church is not for us to consume, but rather to be consumed by Christ so that then we would go out to the world. We are called to gather. This is our filling station where we worship the Lord, where, we where we're discipled and make other disciples, where we have fellowship with God and with each other. But then it's to leave because I don't know about y'all, but when I get done and we dismiss today, you're going to leave from here. You're going to go find you some sort of dead chicken fried and eat it or some sort of pasta or salsa and chips. You're going to go eat something. You're going to enjoy it. But guess what? Being a Christian does not stop when you walk out of these walls. As a matter of fact, it has only begun because you and I will spend far more time outside of these walls than we will inside of these walls. So what is important is what we do inside of these walls is to prepare us to go outside and outreach to this community that desperately needs it. See, genuine outreach does say, like Isaiah, here am I. I'm right here, Lord. Send me. It doesn't say, Lord, I'm here and I'm going to cut a check so someone who's professional can go do this thing. Genuine outreach does not say, well, Lord, I gave to missions this year. Praise God if you did. Give some more. I hope so. Genuine outreach says, Lord, I'm the missionary. Send me. Genuine outreach does not say, God, raise up some more missionaries. Raise up some more pastors. Raise up some more good believers. It says, Lord, help me to be the good believer. Let me be the one. And by the way, today, if that's, that's you and that, that's me who might get a little scared or a little nervous about going out because we don't know what somebody might say. We don't know what we might say. We don't know a lot of things. That's okay to not know. I know this. Everything we've sung about, everything we've just read about, that God is on His throne. And this very same God is upon the throne 
uh, of every heart of every believer through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit who has given us the Word of God. And you might not know all the answers, but we know the one who does. And we can certainly trust. And if you're saved today, you know exactly what to tell somebody else. And that is, there came a point in time in your life where you realized through the revelation of God that you were a sinner dying and going to hell, separate from God, and that you could not save yourself no matter how good you were because you've got no goodness in you, but that it would only be through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ the righteous who would bleed and die upon that cross for your sins and mine, where He would bear the wrath of God Almighty that should have been poured out upon me. It should have been poured out upon you, but instead it was upon His own Son, Jesus, so that He would go into the grave and would be resurrected the third day according to the Scriptures to offer eternal life and forgiveness of sins to all who would repent, to turn from their sins, and to put their trust in Him alone. It is not about you. It is not about me. It is not about good works. It is not about religion, nor denomination, nor what Bible you've got in your hand today. It is about Jesus. Anything, anything more than that is too far. It begins and it ends and it keeps on going with Jesus and Jesus alone. Now with this, as we've looked at the first few verses, verses 1-4 through four tell us that the revelation of God, the revealing of God, as this triune, thrice holy God who reveals Himself to Isaiah, it is the revelation of God that causes genuine worship. The verse 5, though, then shows us that it's the realization of that revelation that it is man's sin and God's authority then that causes us to have genuine discipleship, to be true, committed followers of God. But then verses 6 and 7, it is the reconciliation that we find in verses 6 and 7 at the altar that cleanses us and causes us to have genuine fellowship with God first and then with others. The greatest need in your life today is not to just get things right in your life, to pay your bills, to live a good life. It is your relationship with God. You are either in Christ or you are out. And I would tell you today that you must be born again into the family of God lest you perish. And for those who are saved today, be not so foolish to think that you yourself right now might not be enjoying the fellowship that you should be. That we, like Isaiah, find ourselves with unclean lips in the midst of an unclean-lipped, perverse people. But now we come to verse 8. Verse 8 is going to tell us today that the reaction as we behold our God sends us out into genuine outreach. I will not go reach a single soul, nor will I invite anybody to church or invite anybody to Christ, which is far more important, by the way, unless I first beheld Jesus high and lifted up upon His throne. If I have a wrong view of who Jesus is, then I'm not going to care about lost souls. If I have a wrong view about what Jesus desires for my life and for their life, then I am not going to care about reaching out. I'm going to care about reaching up and taking as much from God as He'll give me. And sadly, most of us find ourselves in that same boat today. But if that's you today, we can get out of that boat. We can get into the boat that says, Lord, here am I. Send me. We're going to look at three things today. That's the motivation, the man, and the message of genuine outreach. First of all, the motivation. He says, also I heard the voice of the Lord. He did not hear, Isaiah did not hear the, the, the call of another pastor, another preacher, a, another missionary. He did not hear his own heart. He did not hear his own mind. This was not his own idea. He hears the voice of God. 
I want you to know God has spoken. He has given us His revealed Word. Anything outside of this book, you don't need. We need the Bible. God doesn't speak outside of this. He's speaking right here. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. God has spoken. God has given us what we need. The issue is this, that you and I, when we talk about outreach, we talk about evangelism, is we say, well, Lord, give me an opportunity. I want you to know if you're alive, if you're saved, you don't need to pray for opportunities. You need to pray for boldness. You need to pray that your heart and my heart would be submitted to the Spirit of God, to the will of God, because the work is there. The harvest is there. The opportunity is there. But whether or not you and I take that opportunity is the different story. So here he says, that he hears the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? First of all, whom shall I send? Who does the sending? It's the Lord. Who will I send? Why? Because I want you to know, in my own heart today, to know this too. That the power of God does not come from me. This is nothing that I can muster. It's nothing that I can do. It is nothing that you can do. It is the Lord that sends us. It is called the Great Commission. Why? Because He's the one that commissioned us. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that rose again for us. He's the one that, that saved us. Therefore, it's the, He's the same one that says, Go! Go into the world. He sends us. With this sending here, and especially in the life of Isaiah, we're going to see here in just a moment. And y'all hang on, buckle up. It's going to be okay. God does the choosing of Isaiah. God does the calling of Isaiah. God does the cleansing of Isaiah in verses 6 and 7. God's mission is the motivation for sending His people. And this is what God does, who God is. I want you to know, though, that it is the holiness of God that, that does both of these things we're about to see. That it is God's great desire for His people, one, to bring judgment to His people, to correct them, so that then He might bring them joy. God is not sitting up in heaven, and He is not the man upstairs that is sitting up there just waiting to, to play whack-a-mole or beat you over the head. You beat yourself up enough. What He is desiring to do is that you would come to Him, that as He is the one that chooses and calls and cleanses, that you would be the one that commit yourself to the kingship and the lordship of Christ. And we're going to see that in just a moment, so y'all hang on here. First of all, though, in the book of Isaiah, we see clearly that God does desire judgment for His people. And you would say, well, God doesn't judge. What about the Bible says, judge not lest he be judged? Yeah, well, then read the rest of the chapter. It tells us how to judge. God is a judge. And I want you to know, dear sinner, one day you're going to stand before him. And because he is a righteous judge, he is not going to look at you and in his love ignore your sin. He will not look and go, well, you know, I, I, I know they tried real hard. Or he's not going to look and say, well, you know, they went to church. So that's pretty good. I'll, I'll write them. No. You will stand guilty before God. Not because He's a mean judge, but because you and your sin are dead and your sins and trespasses are rebel against God. Every sin is cosmic treason against this holy God that has revealed Himself to Isaiah. Isaiah found himself undone, which means doomed because he himself says, I got unclean lips. And I'm surrounded by people who got unclean lips. As the angels cried out and sang, Holy, 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 Isaiah could not join in because of such. The judgment was needed for the people of Israel and for the people of Judah, and it's still needed for the people of God today. Isaiah chapter 5, just over a page, tells us in Isaiah 5, verse 16. By the way, I've got a lot of scripture today, so y'all just either hang on or flip with me, okay? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 16 tells us this. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. Notice that. 
He says, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. And by the way, every time that God judges, He does do so rightly. Who are we? We just sang it and we clapped about it even. Who has given Him counsel? Who has told God how to judge? Who has told God what to do? The soul that would ever do such is a soul that is blasphemous and idolatrous, but I want you to know that that is the very root and heart of every sin that you have ever committed. It is placing yourself in the kingship of where Christ and Christ alone has authority. It is you not surrendering and even rebelling to God who is there upon His throne. It's not just some great song that we sing about. It's not just some revealing to Isaiah, but it is the very authority of who God is. If He made the world, which He did, therefore He owns the world. He owns all of creation. And all must bow before Him. And none, as His created beings, can ever say to the potter, Why have you made me thus? How come you did this, God? How come you do that? How come you allow this, God? No. Who are we but dust and worms? Yet God, that very same God, would humble Himself and send His Son Jesus Christ to put on flesh and would die for these very same sinners, to die for these very same rebels who have rebelled against His will, rebelled against His Word, rebelled against His authority, rebelled against His kingship, His Lordship over all of creation. And He would die for them to offer them forgiveness and reconciliation as He's just given to Isaiah here as a picture of the cross for you and I to look to. But He continues in verse 17, Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, in the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Here comes this. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. That say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteous, the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossoms shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against His people. And He hath stretched them forth His hand against them, and hath smitten them. And the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is still, or his hand is stretched out still. That's frightening. It ought to make us quake. The same holy God that we've sung about, that we've praised and glorified, is the same one who judges his people, and he does so rightly, not because he he desires to just be this mean overlord, but because we have rebelled against God. Do not think for one moment in our pride that we might not face judgment in our own land or in our own churches or in our homes today. Do not think so foolishly that God will not, cannot, or should not judge us. If anything, woe unto us. 
for we in our own land, in our own churches, and in our own homes, and men that begins with us leading our homes improperly, have said that evil is good, that good is evil, that darkness is better than light. It's the world in which we live in. But God does not just desire for His people to be holy and to judge them for their idolatry and immorality. God desires, in Isaiah 51, I'll give you a moment to turn there. Isaiah 51, He desires the joy of His people. Remember, He's sending Isaiah out to preach to those of His people, His covenant people, by the way, those Judah of Israel, who have sinned against Him. And He says judgment's coming. But to the very same ones that He preaches judgment is coming, He also says, so is joy. And I want you to know that, dear sinner today, though judgment might be a second away, so can joy. Simply by trusting in this very same holy God who in His holiness does not desire to hurt us, but rather to heal us. And it is His holiness that draws us unto Himself. Isaiah 51 verse 11 tells us this. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return. Praise God. And come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I, even I, am He that comforteth you. Look at that. The same God that brings about judgment is the same God that brings about joy. He's not a different God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He is the very same God. The same God that will judge His people is the same God that will pull them up out of the mire, cleanse them, and give them such joy and fellowship. He says, I even I am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die and of a son of man which shall be as grass? Meaning this, if you are afraid of the things going on in the world today, stop it. Quit. You've got no one to fear in this world. You know who there ought to be some fear of? The one who holds this world. The one who formed this world. The one who holds your heart. The one who holds the heart of the king's the one who has seen and has even been the cause of the rise and downfall of kingdom after kingdom because His kingdom alone will stand forever. He says, verse 13, And forgettest the Lord thy Maker. It is a fearful thing to forget God that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and has uh, feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy him. Where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loose, that he, may, that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. Verse 15. But I am the Lord thy God, that divided the sea whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. God is not just there to judge, but to bring joy. Now back in Isaiah 6, who will go for us? Though God is sovereign upon His throne, and so has He ever been, and so shall He ever be, God in His sovereignty has chosen not to open up the heavens and go, repent and believe the Gospel. He ain't done that. He looked before Jesus ascended to the Father, and He looked at His own people and said, alright, it's yours. Go. 
God sovereignly chooses to have people sovereignly choose Him. God sovereignly chooses for us to choose Him to go and to be committed to Him. It is God's choice to use you. It is God's choice to use people. And so has it ever been. God does not need a single soul. God doesn't need anybody to do anything at any time. He is the potter, we are the clay. But guess what? The potter chooses to take the clay and to make it something that is usable for His kingdom and for His glory. Praise the Lord for such. May we not be so foolish to lean so heavy to one side where we say, I can do all things on my own strength and I'll sprinkle Jesus in it. Nor should we be so foolish to say, God is sovereign, therefore I don't have to go out in the world. Hogwash. Jesus looked at His disciples and said, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, and they hear my voice and they follow me, but you've got to go call out them sheep. It is your job and my job, and not just the pastor's job, not just our missionary's job, it is every saved soul's job to tell the gospel. If you have the good news, which that's what the word gospel means, how in the world would you not, and why in the world would you not tell it? Shame, fear, not right standing before God. What, what would it be? What keeps you from committing to the Lord? Though God does this choosing and calling and cleansing for man and preparing him, he is doing these things not just to, to, to be some sort of big, mean God, but rather to prepare us to then commit ourselves to him. Man must do the committing of himself to God through faithful submission to God's word, will, and work. And I want you to know there will not be a single saved soul that is saved unless unless someone who knows Christ goes and makes Him known. There are no exceptions. God is not going to look and go, well, you know, no one ever told them. I'll just... No. Every soul in this world is guilty before God. And if you and I understood that every soul is guilty before God, we understood that God will be their judge unless they repent and trust in Him and hear the blessed hope and that good news of the Gospel that they will die and go to hell because He will face them as judge and He will judge them righteously, which is guilty. The good news in our outreach that He calls us to do is to go tell those who are captive to sin that there is freedom in Christ, that there is one who can set them free and He has called unto them to come unto Him and that they may do so freely simply by calling upon His name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we see that God has chosen not to open up the heavens and to speak and do one big old evangelism altar call there for the whole wide world. And by the way, even if He did so, there would still be many who would shake their fists and wag their tongues at God. It's going to happen one day in the Great Tribulation. There will be plenty who say, and they will curse the Lamb. Instead, He has looked at us eyeball to eyeball the moment we got saved and said, go. But though you can take a horse and lead it to water, what can't you do? Make him drink. You and I have a good God who has taken us and saved us and has given us the natural ability and the natural message to go and tell the world. He's given us opportunity and grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. 
But you're not going to tell a soul and be able to say, well, you know, God just didn't gift me that way. There's some folks gifted for evangelism, absolutely. But you know something? Every soul that's ever been saved is commanded to evangelism. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you are redeemed, why would you not say so? If you are redeemed, why would you not tell somebody? If you know that there is a real hell and a real heaven and a real God who desires to not only judge and will judge, but as well bring joy through salvation and reconciliation, why would we not tell it? Why would we not? God desires to use man who is made in his image to not only know his glory, but to make his glory known throughout all of creation. Though God does not need me here this morning, he's called me and he desires to use me. Not that there's anything special in me, but that it's all the special goes to him. All the glory goes to him. How about for you, dear folks? Same goes for you. God does not need. He's never been in need. But he desires to use you. The God upon his throne in the heavens, who is holy, 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 looks at you in your faults, in your failures, in your hard-headedness in mine, and still says, I want to use you. Do not say today, dear child of God, that God does not want to use me. God can't use me. I'm too far gone. I, I, I've stopped too much. I'm retired. I'm this, I'm that. No. God desires to use you. God has always desired and chosen to use man for his pleasure and for his purpose of proclaiming his glory. It is the Bible that tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the, mighty, the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You know what the motivation of all things? You know what the motivation of worship is? You know what the motivation of discipleship is? You know what the motivation of fellowship is? You know what the motivation of outreach is? It is the glory of God. It's not your glory. It's not Pastor Joe's glory. It is not our church name glory. It is the glory of Christ our King. Who could have planned out salvation in such a way? Not me. I wouldn't have done it this way. Not you either. The mind of God, for His ways are not our ways, but praise the Lord that in His ways He has made a way for us when we had no way. He is the way, the truth, and the life that no man cometh to the Father but by Him. And because of such, He is the same One that not only saves us and seals us and is going to bring us home to Him, but He is the One that empowers you and I through the same Holy Spirit that Peter had on the day of Pentecost to go and proclaim the good news of the Gospel. If you can trust your God for salvation, dear saint, you can trust God to use you in outreach. If you can trust God with your eternal salvation, you can trust God to get out the words, even if you stumble, even if you stutter, and say, Jesus loves you. Here's a track I hope to see you at church. That's it. It starts as simple. You think about this. You see, beholding God on His throne is the ultimate motive of the man in the message. Seeing God's sovereign rule requires a servant's response, though. It is not enough to say, yes, God's on the throne, God's on the throne, God's on the throne. 
What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Isaiah was changed. See, in order to accomplish the mission, to know Christ and to make Him known, we must know the why. And the why is the glory of God. And it is the fact that God has chosen us and sent us into the world. The second part today is the man. Isaiah, who is a man of unclean lips, goes from unclean lips in verse 5 to being reconciled to God, having his lips clean, his, his sins purged and his iniquity taken away in verses 6 and 7. He was closed out from God, if you will, because the smoke of the, play, of the temple filled it and he could not see. The, the, the post of the door quaked and shaked in verse 4. Has now been brought to where now he can be used. I want you to know, dear believer, the things in your life and the things in my life are not being used to tear us apart, but to break us down, to build us up, to be used for God. There is not a thing in your life or my life that has never been not used by God for our good and for His glory. There has never been a single thing that God has allowed in this world that has not been used to prepare us for the future. I want you to know that the things of the day in the world, you might be looking and go, this is scary. I want you to know things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. They're falling into the divine hand of God. But until that day, I don't know if we got till this afternoon. I don't know if I'm going to get to finish this message or not. I might kill over dead. If I do, scoot me over and somebody else finish. Keep preaching. If the Lord comes back, if it's all over, who knows? I do know this. That until either we die or until He calls us out of here, we have a job to do. See, the one who could not join the angelic choir, the one who had unclean lips, is now able, because he's been reconciled to God, now has fellowship with God, to speak to that same God who is upon His throne. He doesn't have to climb a ladder because he can't climb a ladder high enough. He doesn't have to try to build a set of stairs or an elevator to get up to God because he can't get there. He sees God so high and magnified and lifted up, but yet through the precious blood of Jesus, we have boldness to go to the throne of God and to tell Him our, our worries, our cares, our concerns. We, we can go unto God, our, our Heavenly Father, to find counsel, to find peace, to find the power and the strength to do what He's commanded us to do. For that strength is not in you and I, but it's in the Spirit that dwells us. See, Isaiah must be clean before he can be commissioned. He then must be called before he can commit. God chooses Isaiah. Isaiah chooses God. You see how that works? It's quite simple. We overcomplicate so much because we either want to put everything on our own works or we want to say that God doesn't need us to use us and certainly He doesn't, but He wants to. And matter of fact, the things that God has done is He has chosen to use the foolish things, the foolish people, and the weak things, and the weak people of the world. That's me this morning. That's you this morning. Praise God that His ways are not our ways because I would never be behind this pulpit. The folks singing and playing wouldn't be up here neither because there's not a one of us worthy of God. Not a one of us are a worthy vessel, but yet He chooses to use us. Hallelujah, what a Savior. So why Isaiah? Simply because God revealed Himself and Isaiah responded. You know what salvation is? God reveals Himself through the Gospel and we respond by faith. 
God's faithfulness tells us how to be saved and that He desires for us to be saved. And man puts his faith in response to God and is gloriously born again. Praise the Lord for this. It's been this way from the beginning and it will be this way until the end. But you know something? There are countless folks who have never heard such. There are countless folks who are seeking the things of this world. There are countless folks seeking the things of religion to find God or to find inner peace and all the while they can't find any of it. They still have a God-shaped hole in their heart. They still remain lost and undone and unrepentant because they remain unknowing about this Jesus who loves them and died for them and rose again for them, who offers life if they would simply believe. Now for you and I, though. You see, before we are willing to be sent, we must be willing to worship. If you can't worship, you can't work. Right? We hear, man ought not eat unless he works. I tell you this, a man will not work for God unless he has first worshipped God. You show me how you worship, I'll show you how you serve God. I don't care if you can sing a lick. God is worthy for you to belt out with every ounce of your energy and to praise Him for who He is and what He has done. I don't care what kind of caterwauling you sound like. You see, because with every ounce of energy that Jesus Christ had, He hung there in the dark of Calvary. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Bearing the weight of your sin and my sin. And with His dying energy and dying breath, He offers us forgiveness in life. And most of us just say, well, I'm too tired today, God. Meanwhile, from eternity to eternity, He's been holding everything in existence and He's allowing you to breathe right now. And we tell God, Lord, I'm just too tired or I'm too busy. I got my hands full, God. Yes, yeah, so does He and He's holding everything. If I got my two hands full, that's still, still nothing. God does more in a millisecond than I'll ever do in a lifetime. You see, before we have boldness in words and outreach, we must have boldness in worship. A soul that doesn't worship God doesn't work for God. And so many of us want to be workers. So many of us want to be busy bees. The busiest thing and the greatest thing that you can be busy for is worshiping and honoring and knowing God. You might desire so much to make Christ known, but if you don't know Him yourself, Sit down. Know Christ. Make Him known. And by the way, you and I will never get to the place where, well, I know all I need to know. I've got this figured out. And now I'll just go and I'll work for the Lord and I'll do this great thing. God desires to keep filling us up so that He would then pour us out. We're not designed to just keep having our cups overflowing. You know why our cups keep staying overflowing? It's because we don't pour ourselves out <coughs> we're meant to See, God doesn't just want to overflow your cup he wants to pour you out so that he can then fill you back up so that he can then pour you out so that he can then fill you up so that he can then pour you out see where we're going and he'll do so until 
you die or He calls us out. Lastly, the message will be done. Y'all can either hold tight because we're about to flip the Bible real quick. Okay, y'all ready? It's all in Isaiah. The message here. The message is given. Like every good preacher, Isaiah is given the message from God. He says, hear my, send me. And God gives the message and says, in verse number 9, Go and tell the people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Why would God do such? Because remember, before He brings joy, He must bring judgment to His people. But over in John chapter 12, Jesus has been preaching, and this same Scripture is fulfilled. It is rebellion that brings reprobation, which is a giving over to sin and consequence. And sin is not just the cause, but sin itself is the consequence of reprobation. Fulfillment seen in Jesus' own ministry, John chapter 12 tells us this, But though He had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on Him. Could you imagine seeing those who were blind receive their sight? Those who were lame and crippled would be raised up to walk and to leap and to jump? Could you imagine being there at the tomb when he says, Lazarus, come forth! And he comes forth to see the dead raised to life. But yet they believe not. That the saying of Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our port, <clears throat> and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Where's that? Isaiah chapter 6. Look at your reference. This is a hard message for Isaiah, but God's message doesn't just say, you're going to go preach, and I'm not going to do a thing for him. No. God's at work. He's going to take them from judgment to joy. Here we go. First of all, <clears throat> the very next chapter, uh, after Isaiah 6, comes Isaiah 7. Go figure, right? But look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. It's not just a Christmas verse, it's an every time verse. Emmanuel means God with us. Even in the midst of this judgment, even in the midst of these woes that God is sending Isaiah out to, even in the midst that God is saying, you're going to go, they're going to hear and not hear a thing, they're going to see and not see a thing, and their hearts will not believe, they'll be hardened up because of their unbelief, because of their sin. God says in the very next chapter, there is coming Emmanuel, God with us, the coming presence of God. It gets gooder. Two chapters more. Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts 
will perform this. Not only do we have the coming presence in Isaiah 7, we have the coming King and His coming kingdom in Isaiah chapter 9. That kingdom is a coming, folks. The King is still on His throne and the King has commissioned you and I to go and tell out to the highways and the hedges to come and dine with the King that you can have a fellowship and relationship with Him because of who He is and what He has done. Then there's the coming comfort over in Isaiah chapter 40. Look at this. God doesn't just say that it's going to get bad. He says it's going to get bad, but I'm going to make it right. Look at this. The coming comfort, Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 26, tells us this. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth them out? Their host by number, he calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known? Have you not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen and amen. But it gets gooder. Isaiah 53. Not only is there the coming presence and the coming King and kingdom and the coming comfort, but there's the coming Messiah. Isaiah 53, Who hath believed our report to who is the arm revealed? We just read that over in John 12. Y'all remember that? I do too. (laughs) For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. Let me pause here for just a moment. How many of y'all grew up in a Baptist or a Methodist church that had pictures of Jesus in it? Raise your hand. It's okay. It's the rest of us too. Jesus ain't got blonde hair and blue eyes. He was a Jew. And there was nothing comely. The idea is there's nothing about him outwardly that made folks go, look at him. What a hunk of man. No. He wasn't the head and shoulders tall above everybody with the big strong muscles saying, I'm going to deliver you now from the Roman Empire. No, instead, as the rest of this chapter is we're about to read, he came as the suffering servant of God. But that very same lamb that was slaughtered one day is going to judge the world and is going to return in all of his righteousness and glory. and We shall be with him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him uh, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Not his. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Not his. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. As we talked about in Isaiah chapter 6, when he said, your iniquity is taken away, it's the guilt. 
your guilt, your consequences, your punishment was not placed upon you, but it was placed upon Jesus. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet He opened not His mouth. He brought... He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. God's son. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Flip a page and Isaiah 55 tells us the coming offer. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth. Let me repeat that. Everyone that thirsteth. One more time. Everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye. Buy and eat. Ye come. Yea, come. Uh, buy wine and milk with without money, without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear unto me, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the short mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither my ways your ways, saith the Lord. You know what the ways and the thoughts of God are? Is that you and everyone today that thirsteth would come unto Him. For He has made a way. He has not just pronounced judgment upon His field, but He did so to bring them to a place of joy. He did then to bring them to a place where not only would the gospel call of salvation be offered to the Jew, but to the Greek, to everyone that, that is perishing, to everyone that would hear uh, the gospel call that, that you must be born again, that Christ has come, has died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That call is for all and all may come. And, and guess what? You ain't got enough money to buy these things. It, it's already been provided. All you must do today is simply receive it. And he says then, a couple chapters over, the coming eternal kingdom and will be done. The last thing that he says in the Gospel of Isaiah is the coming eternal kingdom. Isaiah 65, and this is for every single soul today who knows Christ, who has bowed the knee to this thrice holy God upon His throne. For behold, in verse 17, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. 
That's how we were designed to be. But in Adam's sin, we have fallen. Therefore, we, we don't have such. But there's coming a day, dear child of God, where God's going to make it all new. Where God's going to make it all right. For behold, I create Jerusalem, which means literally a city of peace, a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Why? For he shall wipe away every tear. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die in a hundred years old, but the sinner being in a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth tr for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullet, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made. And all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Today, if that's you, the one who is poor and needy and contrite of heart, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and live. Today, dear saved soul, if you struggle with boldness, if you struggle with confidence, to go and to have outreach outside of these walls, come to Christ today. Receive the boldness that is just there, waiting to be gifted to you that you simply must ask of the Lord. God, help me. And guess what? He says, I'll hear you. You speak, I'll hear you. You cry out, I'll answer. Today, as we bring this to a close, this series, this morning, Behold your God, seated on a throne. Come, let us adore Him. Behold our King. Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore Him. And as we come and adore Him, He's going to send us out as He's already called us to. I'd ask you today, have you submitted to Christ the King? Are you able to, like Isaiah, having been cleansed, having now face these things and have looked and seen God upon His throne and now be able to say, Lord, here am I. I'm right here. I'm present. Send me. I'm willing. Wherever, whenever. Wherever He leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Behold your God, church, and come live a life of genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach to the glory of our King. Let's all stand. Today, if you have a need, this altar's open. If you need to ask God for boldness, if you need salvation today, come. I'll take the Bible and show you Christ. Call upon Him today while He is near.
Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not later. Today, now is the time. Call upon the Lord today and for each saved soul today. Submit your heart to the King. Be used of Him for His glory, for His honor. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time, God. Grateful for your word. Grateful for the work that you've done in hearts today. God, may we glorify you, be used of you as we leave this place today to carry the gospel upon our hearts, upon our lips. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. Go with us now in Christ's name. Amen. We close uh, out in song. Jesus, name above all names. Acts 4.12, I already mentioned that once. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus, name above all names. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. Blessed Redeemer, living Word, Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Amen. Blessed Redeemer, Living Word. And don't forget about the pastor's meeting up front here. If you're interested in uh, children, kids, club, you just show some interest. Show up. It's time to back out in case you don't want to do it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
for our practice tonight. Oh. 